California bill to eliminate the bail system. Democrats help California DMV dodge audit of wait times. And who is Kevin DeLeon? That's what's coming up in this episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. Good afternoon, guys. Hello, everybody. Hey, it's a new week. We're back. We are back. I think people have been taking your advice at the end of the episode quite literally. Burning it all down? Yeah, the state Well, is that's their down. problem. I, you know, you can't take it that literal, folks, and we just got to really uh, settle in here because it's a wild ride here in California. There's some places that are pretty bad, huh? Well, they were saying that uh, they're seeing smoke all the way in Ohio. From uh, Oh, yeah, they got Arwaha. the satellite images. And that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, the travel on that. Wasn't it a guy named Forrest who started the forest fire? I don't know. That, that would right? be an interesting fact of the day, though. The irony. And, and one of these became, was it the Reading Fire that became the largest? I think uh, they, the Mendocino combined, Complex. Or was it that one? Is, okay. Yeah, that's okay. the, the Ranch Fire, the River Fire up by Clear Lake. Okay. That became the largest. Uh, but the Car Fire in Reading, also massive. Yeah. Very massive. All right. Well, we apologize for the delay on this episode this week. Just extenuating circumstances, summer schedules, trying to get the group together here to put some stories together and figure out what the hell's going on. I think we're back at it now on a, on a more regular schedule, at least Bobby. Well, we're uh, the Senate and the assembly are back in session. So we're going to have some interesting stories that are becoming up pretty soon. There's a lot of bills that are be coming up and we've talked about them in the past, but uh, we've got a couple here in the uh, chamber and we're going to go ahead and talk about them. Well, I just want to say for one, I'm relieved because I would not have a clue what we do if these people were not back in session helping to protect and save us all. So this is good news. This is is good news. All right, let's start it off. So California's bill to eliminate the bail system clears the first hurdle. It's actually on its desk for Jerry Brown right now as it speaks because it actually did pass the Senate. There is a little controversy of whether it would or wouldn't, but it has. So California lawmakers passed a landmark bill that would overhaul the state's cash bail system, replacing it with one that grants judges greater power to decide who should remain incarcerated ahead of a trial. The proposal moved out of the chamber with a 26 to 12 vote and is headed to Jerry Brown, who uh, last year pledged to work with lawmakers and the state's top Supreme Court justice to pass the legislation. Now, Senate Bill 10 would virtually eliminate the payment of money as a condition of release. Uh, Judges would have greater power to decide which people are a danger to the community and should be held without any possibility of release in a practice known as a preventative detention. Now, supporters argue the bill was the first step to overhaul a predatory system that hurts poor people and has taken into consideration input from law enforcement as well as recommendations from the judicial task force. Now, for you gentlemen here, let's talk about crime and punishment. Now, I have here the legal definition for bail, 
and that is, the system that governs the status of individuals charged with commuting crimes from the time of their arrest to the time of their trial and pending appeal with the major purpose of ensuring the presence of trial. So how do we get criminals to show up for their own trials if they're not, you know, obligated otherwise to do so? Thoughts. This is, this is kind of an interesting topic because when I was doing kind of my show prep for it, I started realizing that there's an unforeseen consequence to this where I can, I can pay money to stay out of jail until my, my trial. Now somebody's going to decide that for me, and I can't pay my way out. Right. Now I'm subjected, I'm subjected to a judge's opinion on whether or not I should be let free before I've been proven guilty. You're, maybe you're going here, but it, but it brings the phrase to mind of like crony justice. Yeah. Depending on how you want to look at it, right? You know, people always argue about crony capitalism and capitalism where those who have corporations who have the power, have the moats, take advantage, etc. Well, in this case, it's if you're making this up, but a, you know, Beverly Hills attorney uh, charged with a crime. Well, okay. What, what, what check do you want me to write? Uh, I, I'm in trouble. Okay, here's the check. I'm out of here. Right. Um, so in some ways, it's a system that that is parallel to that in terms of crony justice. If you if you have means, if you have the power, it means much different for you than not. And to Louis's point, you're talking about a world where, in theory, mm. the judge is agnostic to who you are, and that what that you brings have. up the perfect right. point. The board, uh, the broad discretion gives to the judges and. Are they racially biased in their decisions? Yeah, right. It, or or any other uh, bigotry that might you might throw in their well, way. Yeah. Right. And I think this is the hard part is that they want to say, well, coming up, you know, you come up typically with 10% of the total bail amount to get released. So if you have $50,000, bail is the most common bail amount. So they have to come up with 5K to get out. Right, right. And they say that's discriminatory towards people that can't come up with $5,000 to get out. Okay. But now we're going to trust the opinion of a judge to not be discriminatory towards whether somebody should be released or not. I feel like the money is the more impartial side of that versus letting a human decide whether I can be released on bail or not. And, and not only that, but the Board of Supervisors for your county is who determines the types of crimes and people that can re- that can be released. So now you have another board who's deciding the types of offenders that can even appear before a court to petition for release. Well, now you just went into the human factor. What if we take the human factor out? And what we're dealing with now is this thing called risk assessment. This is how they're basing the the decision whether to keep you incarcerated or not based on risk assignment. And this is an algorithm now. And a lot of these... Um, like judge- the Facebook timeline? Sure. <laughs> like Google search results? Exactly. Well, that's the funny thing is this is happening everywhere else. Right? Oh, everything's just going to come down to AI determining... Minority report. Yeah, exactly. Well, they have this system called Compass. And it's taking everything into account as far as they know. And they're making a judgment on your risk assessment. 
and they're throwing every factor that they can into this decision. Like an insurance adjuster. Exactly. Sure. Why exactly. not? Exactly. <laughs> uh, algorithms galore. Um, it's like a long came Polly when Ben Stiller is trying to figure out. <laughs> exactly. Life insurance, same way. Right. But uh, an investigation by one ProPublica made the determination that this Compass software was inherently biased to black people. It would find that given the circumstances, if you put it on equal footing, when it came down to what the color of your skin was, the software was making the decision that black people were more at risk at not coming back for trial. That's well, fascinating, actually. Yeah, and, I mean, to, to, to clarify the point, though, it's kind of obvious. This is not the software, the, the, the programmers, the, they're probably going to argue that they went through data, statistics, et cetera, to come up with that. But for whatever, Which is probably the data, right? Because that's the data we always hear that um, blacks commit more crime per capita, and there's a lot of factors in that. They're a disproportionate amount of, it's a disproportionate group of people that commit the crime, right? So if they're disproportionately represented in crime statistics in general, then they're probably disproportionately represented in whether you skip bail or not. I, I mean, that's what I'm assuming. Sure. Because if it's just software playing the yes and no and applying the logic, there's that might be what the data is. I mean, I, I think once you put it into the software, I'm not going to say the coder was racist. No, right? no, no. I mean, uh, uh, agreed. Agreed. But we, we're so Possible, it's so taboo agreed. to talk about the stats because because nobody can commit Correct. more crime than another group. Well, that's taboo. I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about feel good politics in this decision to remove bail. Right. And when you put There's, when you put a computer algo into it, though, it doesn't have emotion. It's giving us what the actual truth is that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, agreed. Right? I mean, it, you think of like for, a bank. for all things, they do the same thing at a bank with a loan or credit card apps, right? They're they're asking you the data that they're asking you. Because that's going into an algorithm that has equations, that's that's right. running regression analysis, et cetera, to figure out what are the odds, what's the likelihood of payback, of, of earning a profit. Call it what you want, but at the end of the day, there are trying to those that those groups are trying to run a business to make money. So it gets into a much different discussion of well, is that the right thing to do? I, look, it may not be. I, I'm not talking about that, but if you want to skew what they have to do in terms of their algorithm, they probably won't continue to open their shop. You know, I mean, it's just, so these algorithms are doing what they're doing or they've been coded how they've been coded for an understandable reason. Who knows where right. it goes from there? What, I, a, what about the, the monetary incentive of bail itself? That's a bit right. That, I think that's a big one. Okay. If, if I, if I put a, a large sum of my own personal money, on the line, and worse yet, if I take out a bond with the help of my friends and family, then they're on the line if I fail to make my my uh, my court appearance. Right. So you're involving other people, and you have uh, an incentive to come back because of the money. Right. I I was watching a YouTube video, and I was going to send John the clip, but it was too late in the day, and I didn't I didn't need that pulled for the show, but. It was basically a YouTube video from a law firm that was interviewing a bond, a bail bondsman. Mm -hmm. And he was asking him how many people fail to appear. 
and you said about 10% of the bonds they issue, the person fails to appear. And out of that, probably 7%, he goes, are people that, you know, I overslept, I forgot the court date, all this stuff that it's like, okay, it might be like a, a good excuse, but I don't, I don't know how you just forget your court date or you oversleep, especially when you've got a bond out. Like, it's going to be a pretty legit hearing, right? <laughs> it's not like you had a traffic site and you forgot that it was, you know, 45 days from now or whatever. You've got a lawyer. You've got all sorts of things going on and you overslept. So, and he said maybe about 3% is people that just straight up were a flight risk, right? I don't know. I, I feel like the 3% is probably higher than that because I feel like a lot of people either weren't responsible enough to make it to their court case or, again, you're playing with somebody else's money, right? They ponied up the money and a promise that you were going to appear. I mean, Dog the Bounty Hunter is going to be pissed that this happened. Well, so the bail companies are saying, well, you're putting us straight up out of business. I mean, if bail's not a thing anymore, right? So there's that. To me, that's kind of a small fallout of it is uh, the the bail bond businesses that you're putting under. I get that. That's That happens, right? You're putting a whole industry out. But I think the greater issue is you need to appear in court we need to guarantee you're going to appear. And so we're just going to assess and see if you're a flight risk. What if you don't have any data on the person yet? What if it's their first crime? How, how what do if you it's know? their first crime and it's heinous? Right. Right. And, and to the reverse, what, what if the statistic does say, you know, the computer spits out, well, you're black, you're a flight risk, we're not going to let you out, but I'm not a flight risk. I'm an honest individual. I screwed up. So now I have a computer saying that I'm not honest. Like, I, I think the ability to put money up to get out. I mean, let's, what about the, the those folks in, um, in Arizona who were training their own children right. to become ma- suicide sure. mass shooters? Sure, sure. I mean, like, they, they let them go with a super low bail. And he smiled when he left. Right. Like he knew he got away with it. It got released on like 20K. It was like the, bail, the bond amount, or I'm sorry, the bail amount was like $20,000 that the adults got released on. But then fortunately, I swooped in and got them on federal immigration charges and they didn't actually get to go free. But that was kind of like saves the day by ICE. How are these people not a flight risk? And so uh, you could make the argument that, and it, again, this depends on the judge that it would be in front of, you look at that scenario and you go, well, look, I'm, we're not even going to set a dollar amount. You are in jail, right? So I guess it goes, it has the potential for going the right way. There's another angle to this. Um, and it's kind of interesting. So in, my, um, in some of my prep, I came across a talking about uh, the cost, but the cost to the taxpayers, right, of, the, of people that we jail. According to a UCLA School of Law study back in May, the study said that California jails about 59% of those people accused of crimes compared to 32% nationwide. And they looked at the, the costs, and they, and they picked Sarah, Santa Clara County up in the Bay Area. $204 a day in Santa Clara County to do this uh, pretrial detention. $15 a day when the accused are released as part of the pretrial supervision program. 
I don't know enough to know where all the, the, the crossover points are and where this stuff trades off. But it is true that somewhere in here, the more people that can't make bail, that do get detained, that's not free for you, me, you know, everybody listening. So there is that element from a fiscally responsible perspective of the jail system and, and the expenses that we pay for that. It's just a factor, I think. that. Well, and the other thing, too, is that the current system favors release, right? You pay, you get released. Right. SB 10 favors, I have to prove that I should be released. Prior to me even proving that I've committed the crime or that I see the, the, the presumption, the, the burden is on the prosecution on whether or not I committed a crime. I'm presumed innocent until proven guilty. But when I go in after being arrested and I appear, I have to prove that I can be released. And now the presumption's on me. So the, the system is going to be defaulted to you're locked up until proven otherwise. Not I'm free to go unless I can't pony up the money. Let me throw a curveball to you. Is this like a Kershaw curve? It's going to be a big old loogie on it. Catch and release program for the border. Are we not just emulating that system for California? Whereas we catch, we set them free, and we expect them to come back at a set time. Isn't that exactly what we're doing? But it all hinges back on the judge that they're in front of and what that judge is thinking, what their MO is, what their beliefs are. Right. Well, and they're not citizens either. So they're not innocent we can't until proven tra- guilty. <laughs> we can't track them because they're not citizens and they don't have, you know, all the regular tracking. No, but you're saying by the very by the very fact that they were caught and that they, they're not a citizen, they've already broken. Yeah, they're being deported unless they can prove that they got some, there's some legitimate reason why they're fleeing the country or they're looking for amnesty. Like it's an amnesty hearing. It's not whether you jump the fence or not. It's why should we let you stay here? Is there some extenuating circumstance that legally allows you to stay here versus I'm facing trial as an American citizen subjected to the constitution. And I'm saying I didn't commit this crime. So not only do I have to prove that I didn't commit the crime, I have to prove why I should be let go to be able to prepare for my trial. With your scenario, they're not a, there's no, uh, there's not really a trial on whether you came here illegally or not. You were detained for coming here illegally, and the trial is the trial's really only about the asylum part and whether or not you qualify, right. which is a whole different thing. You are guilty. And we just want to know, are we sending you back tomorrow, or is there a reason why you're allowed to stay? So I think it's a different situation. I don't know if you disagree no, with no, that. No, I, no, I, I see your point. Um, almost like second one. Uh, like it or not, change the rules or not, you know, go down, but, but the rule is the rule. And so what you did is pretty factual. You are here. You don't have. At the border, you're not going to trial to figure out if you're guilty or not. <laughs> right. You're going to trial right. to figure, you're going to, an, uh, you're seeking asylum is the only reason why you're going to continue on in the process. Right. 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 But with some of those people, they, of course, don't feel that, they're going to get the result that they're looking for and they just simply don't show come back. They don't come back for their court date. They just blend in. Oh, I, I agree with that. And that's a problem down there. Yeah. I, 
I'm not saying that's the right process. <laughs> I'm not saying this is the right process. I mean, right. a, a judge can release you on your own recognizance. The judge can can choose to not set a bail amount, and you can just show up. Are, are you kind of making the argument that technically, if there was, let's say, judge collusion, they could implement this today because the judges could, because technically they don't have to set anything. Yeah, I'll just release you on your own recognizance. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I don't like the fact that a computer algorithm or uh, a human is going to decide yeah. my risk of coming back. There's a bail schedule. I get to pay money to get out. Okay, but uh, admittedly... It's free I, market at its finest. I can pay money to stay out of jail. No, no, I get what you're saying. And admittedly, I don't know the details here, but you're talking. You're referencing a, uh, a bond schedule. All right. The uh, bail schedule. Right, the bail schedule. That had to have gotten created somehow. Well, they use a similar algorithm for that. There, you go, right? Yeah. So, so you, you're not escaping the world of the algorithm or the mm-hmm. factors, maybe slightly different factors, but still, it's not like um, it's the same risk assessment. They're yeah. just applying it to two different outcomes. Yeah. Now, yeah, mm. yeah, and, and my understanding is fifty thousand dollars is the most common amount. That's what. Yeah, that's what I. And read. you come up with five grand. Or go to a bond agent and and put up some collateral and get it that way. But again, you can be released on RO or OR. I I don't know why we need a law. It would be interesting. I want to pay money to get out. I'm just purely speculating here, but granted, these are probably in the algorithm somewhere. But it would be interesting to start to develop some sort of uh, database and algorithm based on what type of crime was committed, and other, obviously there's other factors, but and then the amount of time that those, or, or of those crimes and of those situations, people that showed back up, people that didn't, and if that if that new sort of algorithm would help inform judges if they had this sort of... Oh, this, this it, sort of for, and I don't know how bored you get. I get pretty bored. And you can go look at like Ventura County Crime Stoppers or Santa Barbara. You oh, can yeah. see like the top yeah, yeah. 10, 15, 20... People that are wanted, yeah, and most are failure to appear. They're FTAs, like they just don't show up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like if you're wanted for murder, or so, I, you know, maybe that one you wouldn't get out. But if you're wanted for some crime, and you do, uh, you are let free with no bail. Why wouldn't you run? I almost feel like it incentivizes you to run. Sure. Right, interesting. But I, but then I, I've I, got nothing on the line, and, and if I know I'm guilty, see ya, see ya, because <laughs> I'd rather play Russian roulette and run, because the trial is for sure going to find me out. So why not just see if I can avoid the trial? Yeah, because and this is a super tangent. <laughs> but it's the same way with like the polygraph exams with like public safety, right? They they can only measure your vital signs. They don't know if you're lying or not. The only way they know if you're lying is if you different, make an admission. The, the different, oh, right. Right, they'll play bad cop, bad cop, and they'll try to get you to, look, John, we know you did cocaine in high school, you know. And right. If you say yes, you're disqualified. Like, hard drugs get you disqualified from public safety. So you might as well <laughs> lie and just try to pull it off, right? Same thing with this. If I know... Yeah, because the, the truth is the big buzzer. Right. So why not see if the lie can avoid the big buzzer? <laughs> exactly. And the worst that happens is you get what was inevitable anyways. So it's like, if I don't have to come up with any money, I might as well just bail if I know. No pun intended. No pun. That was a pretty good one. I might as well run. Right. I'm not out of anything. The worst that happens is I get like another little minor charge on top of the big one I committed. 
right? Right. No. None of this should be construed as legal advice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Insert none all, of us are attorneys. Insert all legal disclaimers you can possibly imagine or have ever heard here. I would definitely run this strategy by your legal counsel <laughs> before implementing. Louis advocates run first. <laughs> Not. All right. Next segment, guys. Bobby, this, 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 this is a good one. Oh, you're this hankering is, this for this is, one, are you? This is juicy. Okay. So let's let's start this off. Um, with Democrats' help, California DMV dodges an audit of wait times as California's Department of Motor Vehicle takes heat for a 46% rise in customer wait times over the last year. DMV's officials are largely blaming the delays on the number of customers flocking to their local offices to get their real IDs. While it's true, lines are longer because more people are going to the offices for the new licenses, which the federal government is requiring by 2020 for people to board a flight without a passport. Okay, come on. Seriously, it's the DMV. I just talked to somebody today, the day we're recording this episode. I just talked to them, and they started off their sentence with, I just spent four and a half hours at the DMV. And I said, was what? I mean, I've heard the wait times are getting quite long. What happened? They said, actually, it was two meetings. I had an appointment for the first one. That took an hour and a half for me to learn that the person who told me that I needed that appointment should have also told me you need to do this other thing, which then caused me to have to wait for another three hours because I didn't have an appointment for that one. Perfect. We love this kind of stuff. It it just kind of boggles my mind about how bad the DMVs ran and how much we depend on this department and the and what they do. I mean, these guys are what running off of Windows ninety eight. Can <laughs> I think it's worse than that? Can we also say that this is coming on the heels of the article last month of the DMV employee that was oh, sleeping? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I know, but I it's too good. And it's who was good. reprimanded? Not oh, notice we're not saying fired. No, and and a California DMV worker slept three hours a day on the job for nearly nearly four years. A state Department of Motor Vehicles worker slept at least three hours a day on the job for nearly four years, slowing down processing times. Um, There was a state audit that was conducted on this. And according to that, she napped at her desk for an estimated 2,200 hours, 2,200 hours of work time between February 2014 and December 2017, costing the state more than $40,000. More than a full work year. Right, two thousand hours, roughly. Yeah, on a forty-hour week. Okay, unbelievable. Let me, let me speak about this audit because I I read it and there's a lot of hilarious things that are in there, but the audit in and of itself is only going off of publicly known complaints. It means someone went through the process of complaining to higher ups, and so the state had to do an audit to find out what exactly was happening. Now, in the audit itself, there's only like uh, half a dozen items that were brought to their attention. So it isn't as though they're auditing everything, everywhere, and finding out all the problems. This is systemic. This is happening 
well, not specifically that case, but similar cases all over the place. And we've all gone into the DMV. We all know how horrible it was even before this rise, and yet nothing gets done. Well, it's the butt of every government joke, right? I mean, the California DMV is like, this isn't news to anybody, right? Everyone dreads it. And it's something, whether you're rich or poor, you're a superstar, you're the average Joe, everybody has to deal with the DMV. Can I pause you there? It's the great equalizer. Can I pause you there? Sure. I'm so glad you said that. Not to take this on a slightly different tangent, but I feel like this is just going to add more into this mix of discussion. Biter fluid. This is, again, so glad you said that. Sacramento B, August 9th, 2018. Headline of the article, and then I'll read you the opening paragraph. Secret DMV office near California Capitol serves lawmakers and their staff. (laughs) Here we go. If you enter the legislative office building in downtown Sacramento, pass through security and hook an immediate left, then walk to the end of the hallway and take another right, At the end of that hallway is an unmarked door with a peephole. Inside, you will find the Capitol Office of the California Department of Motor Vehicles, an unlisted branch where elected officials can register their cars, renew their driver's license, or apply for the new federally mandated Real ID card that has been driving up wait times at DMV field offices across the state. Wow. But doesn't... Wow. But how classic... I did not know that existed. How classic is that? I mean, we're talking the same people... Obamacare was critical, just not for us. Right, and they they got out of it. Of course. And, and their staffers. So we shouldn't audit the DMV, no problem, because we can go down the elevator, hook a right, then a left, and we're at our own. Now, I mean, it's like, it, it's ludicrous. Now, we're, we're complaining about this little office that they have for the DMV, but they got little offices like that for pretty much every government office and agency that they have out there. Whatever that they need, it's there for them for the taking. I'm going to take this uh, again. Boy, we could go on so many tangents on this topic. I'm going to take it for a quick second, though, federal back to the presidential election. Forget for a second, forget policies, forget actions since he's been elected, tweets, set all that aside. All I'm going to make the argument is Donald Trump sets in the White House largely because of this BS. People, enough people reached a point again we're not gonna i don't we don't even need to discuss good bad what he does etc but enough people reached the point i think that said we are so tired of what you say and do or want us to do being massively different from what you do and this is case in point right that's the whole drain the swamp mentality is we're, we're tired of what government actors and politicians have been doing and i, I agree with that entirely the the I also agree with the, the article stated that they didn't need an audit because they know it sucks. <laughs> right. and, and they need yeah. Jerry Brown to fix it now, not seven months from now when the audit would be completed. So I get that part. But it has major problems. And I, I don't... I think it's twofold. Maybe we need more offices. I mean, some offices are impacted way more than other offices. But then I also think... There's just just general malaise with dealing with people at the DMV. Exactly. To the point where it, it is it is a stereotype. I'm going to jump right into that, and I'm going to say, okay, this real ID, we've known it's been coming for the past 17 years. This was passed back in George Nine, Bush's day. It's 9-11 It's 9-11 stuff, right? stuff, yeah. That's exactly what it is. 
And so the answer that they gave us, the, the legislature, what they gave us is they asked, uh, they asked for $16.6 million, okay, to hire 230 more DMV employees. To give you a little apples to apples here, okay, we have 170-ish DMV offices. So we're basically hiring almost one additional DMV employee per office. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. We're going to get all these things done. We're hoping to get another $26 million for another 400 employees. So when it comes down to it, we'll probably end up with three additional employees per branch. You know, you know what I think is funny is that when AB60 got passed, that was the driver's license for undocumented people. They opened up. They opened up like six new offices. One of which, well, there's one in Lompoc. There's one in the San Fernando Valley. There's one up north. There, there's like six of them that opened. And what they found, like the Lompoc one, it didn't get any traffic. And so now that just became the new main DMV, and they closed the the, the original DMV because they didn't get uh, newsflash. They didn't get the people they thought they were going to get rushing in to get an undocumented immigrant driver's license. Yet we've got real ID coming that affects everybody in the state. We don't need new offices for that. Nope. We'll just deal with the existing infrastructure. We, we built new buildings, new offices for this tiny subset of people that may get a license, but something that affected the whole state. Nope. We'll do with existing. You know, what seems really natural to dovetail into this too. And we don't even have to go federal for this one because from the sounds of it, they've already tried to pass it. They'll try again. We'll be one of the states, I'm sure, first to do it, is universal health care. When someone can explain to me why this setup of the DMV and how this has gone and the road this heads down is somehow an anomaly and won't turn out to be the same way as state-run medical institutions, I might listen. But... There's absolutely no way to explain that. This was a good test ground to see how government handles. Let's see how it goes, and then we'll implement it as as California goes. I got a list here. Oh, boy. Here we go. I have a list brought to you by YoGov.com. Is this a top 10? It's a top 10 list of the worst DMVs in California. Oh, I wonder if we're on there. In 2017, they uh, analyzed Yelp. They only went with DMVs that had 75 reviews or more. Is this from Yelp? Our favorite Yelp? This is a result of Yelp reviews. Okay. Um. Spoiler alert, there are no DMVs on there with five stars. That's, that's really disappointing. really is. Number 10 on the list, Carmichael up in Sa- uh, Sacramento County. Number nine is Hawthorne down in L.A. Number eight is Chula Vista in San Diego. Number seven is Montebello, also down in L.A. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number six is Van Nuys down in L.A. Number five is Poway down in uh, San Diego. Yeah. Uh, the number four, we have Fremont up in Alameda. Number three, my favorite, that's where I took my driving test, spent a lot of time there, Glendale down in L.A. That DMV is awful. But it only made number three. Awful, awful. In fact, this one time my mom pulled a number and she came home and did a bunch of errands for like four hours and went back and she still had to wait. Number two was uh, Daly City up in San Mateo. 
And number one, Santa Clara, up in Santa Clara. Silicon Valley. Wow. I, it's definitely, definitely, maybe you should go to the Central Valley or the Central Coast and use those DMVs because none of those made the top 10 list. That's impressive. I mean, I've waited. A ton in LA. I personally have had an appointment and waited over an hour, hour and a half. Oh, I, I was at, at the Santa Barbara DMV. I was at the DMV down in Fullerton when I was in college. I was there almost all day trying to figure out an issue, and I kept getting the punt around to other people to the point where they made me take the test over again, and then we found out I didn't need to take the test over again. That is fantastic. <laughs> I had this <laughs> when I was trying to get my commercial driver's license. I had a commercial driver's license permit, which is good for a year. During that time, I had to renew my ambulance driver's license. They submitted a pull notice to my employer that said um, my ambulance driver's license expired. I went to go renew it, and they said you can't update it because your license is in a holding pattern because you have an open commercial permit. And I'm like, so I can't do anything for a year? I go, I just got the permit like two years ago, or uh, two months ago. I'm not ready to finish the thing out yet. We literally went around and around, and they said I had to retake the ambulance driver's license written tests. I did that. Then we found out I didn't have to do that. Like six hours go by. They're almost ready to close. And a supervisor comes up uh, and she, I'll never forget this part. She covers the keyboard with a manila envelope so she can type in a code because I'm going to break in there and and type in this code. Oh, wow. And then she says, I'm going to override this for you. um, But, you know, I'm doing you a favor. Oh, thank you. I I no. just spent eight hours here. And this was my second trip there. I'd already tried to get this figured out a trip before. I literally spent all day there because I, I was not going to leave until this got figured out because it meant my job if I couldn't renew my ambulance driver's license. This is maybe 10 years ago. And the critical question in all of this is, and she knew it. She knew it. She could have fixed it. What is your alternative? You had right. no alternative. None. And she knew it. I hope they you slipped knew. her a 50. No. Oh. It, she was getting overpaid. <laughs> Her regular pay was well, over. But, but the, what, the, the part that well, the fact that she covered the keyboard, like I was going to memorize this override code and break into the mainframe and do it myself one day. Yeah, this isn't like <laughs> Louis Twelve or something, you know, that you got people coming in to do some heist. Well, Awful with, with what you were saying, well, what about privatizing the DMV? Obviously, AAA. AAA. We've done a couple of things with them. They're not allowed to do everything. Why can't they but, do more? But North Carolina actually privatized their DMV. And I was looking up some yeah. research on them, and they're going to throw in $7 million to help with their lines that they're dealing with right now. But here's a newsflash. North Carolina is only 4 million people, the entire state. So when they throw in half the money that we're going to throw in, it's going to go way further, and it's going to solve a whole lot of their problems. I got something to throw out here. Okay. A little more gasolina on like the it. fire. So when they figured out that that lady was sleeping for four hours at the desk, <laughs> and she didn't get any disciplinary action because there wasn't a good paper trail of documentation on her. She didn't take uh, notes that she was starting her nap and then finishing her nap. Uh, it, DMV said it could not take disciplinary action against the employee because her behavior had not been properly documented. But a warning was issued to the employee in March that she could be disciplined for future on-the-job naps. Okay, so during the time of this audit, there was 
1,481 additional audits that were being done on state departments. Here's some of the other things they found. A manager at California State University Dominguez Hills approved the purchase of a $7,000 electric vehicle quick charging station before realizing it would cost $100,000 to install it because it was not compatible with the campus's electrical infrastructure. (laughs) John, you got to let me get through this. The charger has not been used since the university bought it in 2013. (laughs) That's number one. Uh, Number two, an employee at Kern Valley State Prison routinely left work 45 minutes early, resulting in 312 hours of missed work time at a cost to the state of nearly nine grand. Okay. And then two groundskeepers at California State University Fresno missed thousands of hours of work between January 2013 and December 2017 by arriving late, taking long breaks, and leaving during their shifts for hours. And one day alone, investigators watched as one of the employees missed seven hours of her shift. It can't be more than an eight You missed seven day. hours of your shift? You showed up for what, the end? I think they showed up for the beginning. Yeah, punch in. <laughs> punch in. You can hear the tire screech in the uh, parking lot. So this issue... The DMV is the tip of this gigantic glacier of just uh, napping at your desk all of a sudden doesn't seem like a big deal. Charging stations. Oh, they have to be installed? Why does it take $100,000 to install it? Uh, You could drop a whole new line from a pole to a dedicated thing for probably cheaper than that. My goodness. This is funny stuff. (laughs) It just boggles the mind. And this is only, like I, like I said earlier, this is only some of the stuff that made it so that they could audit this kind of stuff. This right. is, yeah, this wasn't like massive undercover work. No. They no, no. already knew some of this stuff was going on, and they just kind of went, well, oh, here's our report. See you in two years. The DMV is a massive problem, but our bloat in California government. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this is the result of a blue state. The, that's like, right. Th- there's no, I mean... They they can't they can't pass bills can't fast and they can't keep passing bills fast enough to fix the previous failure fixtures of the problems to begin with. Plastic bags and straws are the priority. Now a few years ago they they tried to upgrade the system for the DMV. What does that mean? And they just wasted the money. <laughs> yeah. What? I, I mean, okay, I appreciate what you're saying, but what does that mean? Like when Amazon tells me they're going to upgrade their website for certain payment, pro- I can actually like see that. I can experience that. What does it mean when the DMV, I'm gonna, we're going to upgrade? Because into that point, I don't feel like when I'm actually with the clerk, it takes that long to get my stuff done. No. Like the problem is not when I'm at the counter, how long it takes them to process me. It's getting to the counter. And am I the only one who feels like they're telling all these inside jokes inside the little pool in the center? <laughs> you know, like they see you coming and then like spin around in their chair and make some like comment to the person next to them and then spin around with a smile. Hi, can I help you? Right. And you're like, what? Is there some game or something that you're going to that you, you have uh, over under on as to how long I'm going to be here at the window or something? I, I think any any government office where I'm encouraged to make an appointment two weeks out, there's an issue there. This, hey, isn't, this isn't a fancy restaurant. But it's but to that point, it's why you can see why in most countries that have socialized medicine, people don't talk about the wait lists. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, we, we talked about it earlier, but that's kind of an apples-to-apples situation. Sometimes the line doesn't move at all, and those days we call Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Take uh, us to the final topic, oh, Bobby. Lord have that mercy. Was, that was a good one, though. And uh, this this one's not bad. This one's not bad. Okay, so we all know that we're going to have an election coming up in November, and part of that happens to be between two Democrats running for the Senate seat. One with Granny Feinstein, and the other with Senator Kevin DeLeon. Can I stop you right there? Okay. I'm just going to make... I'm going to be referring to him as Kevin Leon because the day, the, the little day part, it totally made up. That's what I found. Kind of like it. Tony V? Exactly. Tony V, yeah. It's Tony Villar, just like it's Kevin Leon. So we'll, I'm sorry to interrupt, Bobby. No, we'll Kevin there, but Alexander Leon. Thank you. Alexander. It is not De Leon. He got rid of the Alexander. He got rid of most of it, but he saved the DE. No, he added it. He didn't oh, save yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> That's completely made up? Completely made up. Oh, my God. He was a student at UCSB for a couple years. Oh, dropped you're stealing out. my thunder here, man. Okay, go on. Continue, Bobby. I didn't realize but, but I just, I'm, No, I'm sorry. I just wanted to correct the name. It's Kevin Leon. Yeah. Okay, so for those of you who don't know who the heck he is, Kevin DeLeon. DeLeon. I don't, I don't know who no, he is. Okay. I oh, wanted to be like Leon? a listener today and be <laughs> totally surprised. Represents the 24th Senate District, which encompasses... The downtown and East Los Angeles. Uh, before uh, 2010 restricting, uh, redistricting, uh, he was in the 22nd district, just in case you wanted to know that. Um, and like you said, John, he uh, briefly attended the University of California, Santa Barbara. Before dropping out, he then later earned a bachelor's degree from Pitzer College in 2003. I have no idea where the hell this place is. That's out towards like yeah. uh, Montclair. It's actually a it's really the, uh, Cl- good university. Yeah, yeah. Claremont schools. Yeah, right. Oh, it's part of that. Mm-hmm. That's okay, right. that's right. It's not fictitious. No, no, no. Okay, it, it's, no, it's it's a pretty yeah. well known university. Is it? Okay, yeah. I didn't even hear about these guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Big campus. Uh, it's, it's like three multiple, universities: right. Harvey Mudd, yeah, um, Claremont okay. McKenna, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so apparently he actually graduated from this place with a liberal arts degree. Jogger, <laughs> and. You know, that kind of does that prepares wonders. you for public office. It prepares you for everything. Okay, so what are his accomplishments? What are his big things? He's the guy who brought us AB 962. Can I try to guess him? <laughs> okay, let's play Spin the Wheel. Did he, he, he solved budget problems in his district. Is that? No. Oh, I'm afraid no. no. Okay. Um, no. He, he dropped crime in his area? Oh, it has to be. has to be. East LA Homes? Okay, he no, had to. No. Have. I'm sorry, not he. He fixed poverty uh, for sure. Oh no, no, he 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 took charge, and he improved the lives of millions of California residents. Is now, that, now you could drive did? a Mack truck through what that means, but I'm sure that's what he did. Did has he done any of those things? Afraid not. World peace. He's working on it. It's a work in progress, Louis. Okay, I give up. Okay, so AB nine sixty two. He's our friend. Who required thumbprints for ammunition purchases? Mm. Critical. Now, <laughs> Tony. Uh, I'm sorry, Tony. Uh-huh, Alexander. Sorry. Thank you, Alexander. Alex. Yeah, Alex. I Kevin. Like you know, Kevin. Kev. Um, Kevin himself uh, is an in- inarticulate version of Tony Villar. Uh, that's true. Okay, that's true. Just try to give you a little bit of a segue there. Uh, he is the poster boy for everything liberal in California. So much so that they gave him the endorsement over Granny Feinstein. Right. She right. had to move left 
right? Exactly. They're, they're towards the uh, primaries. So he is pro-immigrant, pro-environment, pro-gun control, pro-women's rights, except for when it comes to Tony Mendoza, and we'll get to him in a second. Uh, I read that story. Mm-hmm. Pro-infrastructure, I guess. What does that mean? It means anything. That's a pretty brief... <laughs> no, no, it means anything. He's, I love roads. No, he right. loves pro-union. Mm. Do you love mm. it? Do you have a vote? Then I love it, too. <laughs> and he is an means. advocate for Medicare for all. For Medicare fraud? Is that what he said? That's right. Oh, did you say... No, 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 never mind. So one of the big things that I got for you, and I asked John to pull this clip. I think we got it. So we can introduce you to his wonderful, whimsical ways. And this is in the world You're of... You're going to remember this, ladies and gentlemen. This is in the world of gun control, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see if this plays. This is a ghost gun. This right here has ability with a 30 caliber clip to disperse with 30 bullets within a half a second. <laughs> 30 magazine clip in half a second. Look. First okay, of all, what's, what's a yeah, clip? Well, hold on. What's can, a can magazine we, clip? Can we play, play it again? Yeah, play this again. I was laughing There's a to lot myself. to unpack there or fire off, whichever one you want to say. Here we go. This is a ghost gun. This right here has ability with a 30 caliber clip. What is that? To disperse with 30 bullets within half a second. That's fast. 30 magazine clip in half a second. A 30 caliber bullet he, in a 30 round clip folks it should be a magazine i gotta be honest if he was holding a gun that can do that he's probably gonna want to talk to the military real quick because they'd be interested in something that can hammer out 30 rounds in half a second if you ask any military that's pretty cool veteran they go we don't even squeeze the trigger like that it's just a waste of ammunition but but half a second (laughs) anyways so upon his greatest hits, as it were, uh, what kind of... I, you it's keep a video clip, right? It's yeah. a video clip, yeah. What, what kind of gun is he holding? Oh, uh, he was holding an AR-15. No, he wasn't. It was something else. Well, it, 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 it looked like because... Was it a rifle or a pistol? It was a rifle. No, it, looked, it was... A, it was a, he didn't have the magazine. It was a short machine gun. I, I want to say it was more like an Uzi than anything else. Okay. It looked, it looked like a... Just going to off the me, it looked brain, like an AR-15, yeah. and he was pointing at, and that's why I thought he was, again, he was mixing so many terms in there. But I think that's why he was using the term ghost gun, is because he was pointing to the lower of the AR-15, trying to evoke the fact that someone had made this. Well, so, you know, for those that don't know. That was a, my impression. By a me. ghost okay. gun is a gun that doesn't have a serial number exactly. on it. Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. So, which is why it, it matched with, it looked like an AR-15, no magazine in it, but that's where he was pointing at something that. Didn't have a magazine, right. referring to it as a thirty caliber clip magazine. Right. I don't even know what that is. Right. But there you go. All right. The next one on the list. He's the one who co-sponsored with Senator Hannah Beth Jackson, which required colleges in California to adopt the affirmative consent standard. Oh, is that for the rape thing? That's for the rape thing. That's right. He's the one. Where you have to get a legal document signed before hooking up with somebody? That's right. Gotcha. A notary in every dorm room. <laughs> I've noticed your pile of paperwork is, you know, on par. It's, it's great. It's stellar. Good job, Louis. I love the fact that yeah. you're uh, filling out that paperwork. I know we've been having drinks tonight, um, but if you could sign this contract here, then we can kiss. 
It's okay. And actually, do you have DocuSign on your phone? I could just shoot it over that way. <laughs> yeah. You could DocuSign it. You know, <laughs> you could just roll the prenup and everything all in one right. signature. <laughs> Protect we, myself either way. We could just consolidate this bad boy. <laughs> get it done in one sig. What, one of the more controversial things that DeLeon has done, and those weren't controversial. Those were just stupid. Okay. Can we can we potato potato? Yeah, right. Okay. I'll use that word. That's that's fine. Okay. In 2008, eyewitnesses on the floor of the state assembly observed De Leon, I'm sorry. Kevin Alexander. Kev Leon. Kev Leon. Kev Leon. Casting what is called a ghost vote for assemblywoman Mary Hayashi on an affordable housing bill opposite the way she would have voted had she been at her desk at the moment. Wow. She, he literally cast two votes. Yeah, right. You can yeah. spin that with whatever name you want. That's fraud. This isn't a gun without a serial number. That's just straight-up voter fraud. Yeah, they have the, the vote machines on their desk so that they don't have to actually walk up to the speaker and do and it. And they watched him hit the button? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And apparently they had to change the rules of the Assembly and the Senate. To not cheat? Exactly. That's kind of like the gas tax has to be used on gas stuff. Oh, jeez. Right. How he was not expelled from the assembly or, or the... Uh, he was in the assembly at the time. How's just that not a, a crime? Right. You're voting right. twice. But How's it just not a crime? But guys, you're not just voting twice. You're, you're falsely voting for we, somebody else. Yeah. We just talked about it on the last story. Rules don't apply the same to them. Inside their circle, even on different sides, you do something that out of these walls would be illegal. It's okay. We'll kind of, you know. Don't, don't they take a roll call though? Well, no, no, because they have the button on the desk. But they don't even take a roll call of who's there. They don't bother anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, because they, they, they have a roll call. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, when there a be roll a discrepancy call. between her not even being there no, no, and her no, casting a, a vote? roll call when when she's there. Oh, yes, I, I, I misunderstood what you were saying. But right. Yes, she was there. She just kind of like walked away to ask a question from somebody. Okay, so and she then was, was going to come back and vote because you have you know a certain amount of time, but to cast your vote. How did he think that she wouldn't realize her vote had been cast? That's how. That's how he got caught. Because he was right next door. So he's not let intelligent. Me, no. Let me, let, me, let me just review this for people real quick. The person we've been talking about is on the ballot to become a U.S. senator. Is that correct? This is unbelievable. And no one has brought it up. No one brought it up. None of the papers bring it up on, when they're interviewing him, when they say, hey, are you... A good guy? Are you are you ready to take on the mantle of representing the entire state? Now remember, he's Senate Pro Temp. He's the leader of the Senate. This is terrible. And and de facto, because he won the endorsement of the uh of the Democrats this uh this past spring, he's almost the leader of the Democrat Party in the California, you know, Democrat Party. Right, but but it's like Leland Yee, right? Like champion of all these assault rifle bans and all these gun laws. And then the guy gets convicted of, of Gun smuggling guns. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like, you, can't, I, you can't make it up. I, I don't know when people are going to wake up, but this is what a completely liberal controlled state looks like. 
Like honestly, I, yeah. There, there's that's the one thing is you can't punt that football there, and and there's nobody else to look at for blame. No, you guys have had this in your control for a while. Yeah, because I mean, you got to go probably all the way back to like Pete Wilson if you exactly. really want to start getting uh, right some kind of conservative. Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger was no. not a conservative no, 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 no. governor. Pat, punt on that. Yeah, but uh, Pete uh, Duke Majin ish for sure. Okay, but it's been a good. 20 plus years. Yeah. I, and, and I feel like the stuff isn't as public as it should be. Like, like the Lila and Yi thing, that's a big freaking deal. Right. And just kind of like people probably don't know it should be a household they have name absolutely for, no idea. for a loser, yeah. <laughs> a criminal. And then this guy straight up, straight up casted a vote for somebody else and the direction he wanted it to go. Okay. And it, first, and clearly first was going to be not the direction that the person wanted. Right. And on top of that, didn't think she would notice that she'd come back to place her vote and that it, it had already been submitted. Like, how stupid are you? Like, just his stupid his stupidity alone, I don't want him in office. Well, not even there's, the ethical for, side well, of let it. Well, let me throw the ethical thing at you real quick because there's a little bit of corruption, a little bit of nepotism that he's going on with his... Um, with his daughter and a lot of things that are going to her side business, her side hustle. But let's not even get into that. I mean, Tony Menendez, I said I was going to yeah, bring back this guy. Right, right, Okay. Right. So uh, Kevin was part of the, uh, what's the, the stupid thing? The um, Anyway, he was on the ethics. Oh, the House board. Ethics Committee or whatever? Exactly. He was on the ethics board. That's Is this what you see he, when he you look up it. irony in the dictionary? <laughs> you see a picture of him in this story? But he and Tony Menendez, they were roommates at some point. I, I forgot. I think after college or something like that. That's right. I read an interview about this, and he, and he kept saying, no, no, we lived in a four-room. I wasn't his roommate. We lived in a four-bedroom house. He was in the house, but I rarely saw him. It's like when I still lived at home. I didn't live with my parents. They were just, they're my roommates. Exactly. I'm sorry. Go on. No. It, Tony Menendez, for those of you who don't remember, he violated and assaulted like six different women and they were they were confirmed by like two legal firms that were doing their uh, their due diligence they found out that yeah he was guilty as uh, as a politician was <laughs> with his hands in somebody else's pockets he was guilty as a politician who committed assault <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he he was a politician i mean that's all you need so to say. we got we got this me too movement right it's the big deal and you'd think here in the state it'd be an even bigger deal, right? But Kevin, he, he he couldn't do anything bad to Tony. He loves Tony. Tony's his dog, okay? <laughs> so when Tony was up for expulsion, disciplinary action by the Senate, Kevin really just kind of muddled around and didn't believe it. You know, he stuck by his friend. And then eventually, you know, Tony would step down for this, for this action or several actions. And these are the only ones that we, we know of. I mean, he was very handsy, very handsy guy. Creeper, total creeper. So where's, where's the, where's the Democrat, you know, line here it's true you think about this stuff long enough and like you said louis it's like is this bizarro world i mean what where are we 
you know, you, you do half of this stuff in a general sense out in public as a citizen, you got big problems. Right. But but you just step through the magic gates of Sacramento or DC, kinda everything changes and you have your own personal DMV. Rules are different. That's right. You go to some peephole on the first floor and you can get your driver's license or I don't know. Apparently there's a lot of peepholes. Oh no, I get that sense. Yeah. I get that sense. But we got their race between Granny Feinstein and Kevin. And we have to choose between one of them. No, 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 no. You can abstain. <laughs> well, you can. But the state will choose. Right. I, I, I get what you're saying. We, uh, like, I, I once made the association that the Democrats are ran like a mafia. Oh, yeah. I forget. And, and we all You've heard that before. And we all heard how Diane Feinstein was secretly giving uh, information to the commies. <laughs> right. Oh, is that, is that her, the driver? Her, her driver, like, like 20 years. Driver? Yeah. Was a Chinese spy? Oh, my God. Funny how it was reported on a while back. People knew about this, but only now is it front-page news. And that's because she no longer has protection from the Democrat yeah. Party. No, that's a good one. I, I see your that's point. A, that's a great point. I see your point. Because this was like a two-decade-old story. I mean, this guy like drove for her for a long yeah, he's, time. He's been fired think, for a while now. And think about that. Think about the ethics in, with respect to journalism in that. You knew this story was out there. And by not pushing it, you allow the continuation of said thing. Because watch, watch. Who cares? Who I mean, literally, who does care that we're selling secrets to the commies? Democrats or Republicans? And if you said Republicans, you sure as hell do care about selling secrets to the commies because she will rely heavily on the Republican vote this coming November. That's, that's where it is. It's a good one. I see, I see your point. So that's why it's important to get that story out there so that she loses integrity with her new constituent base. Boy. I agree. It's a great assessment. All right, let's wrap this sucker up. It's time for the James Wood Tweet of the Week, although this time I don't think we have an audio clip. We had some audio uh, trickiness, and so you'll just, have to, you'll just have to imagine the James Wood Tweet of the Week clip sing playing before, us. and I'm not going to sing it. No singing. So here is the tweet. Someone named Diane Anderson tweets out, I guess in response, response to some, uh, Charlie Kirk, who's uh, part of a GOP, he's uh, um, not part of the GOP, it's a, it's a pack, I think, that he runs, and Turning Point USA. Oh, yeah. I think, Charlie Kirk. So she, so this lady, Diane Anderson, is responding to a tweet from Charlie, and she says, Hi, Charlie. I've actually lived in what may be called socialist-style countries, and it was actually really nice to go a year without worrying about getting shot in the classroom, paying for my medications, and having safe and reliable public transit. James Wood says, So stay. Simple. And, in, and in two words, boom, done. So stay. Venezuela, great example. You love it? You're welcome. They're oh, doing well right now. Have you guys seen those pictures on the internet where they pile a stack of money and then right in front of it they put like, this is what this stack of money buys a chicken 
or this buys a can of corn or something. Well, like like I I had said a while ago, a couple episodes back, they're like leading cause of death was starvation. And, oh, yeah. and the way they solved the problem was they made it illegal for doctors to put starvation starvation as the cause of death on the death certificate. Bob, Bobby and I, d- different but similar, Bobby and I were talking about that uh, earlier. The currency, we don't want it to be 10,000 to one U.S. dollar. Let's just divide by a thousand. Like, right. oh, okay, <laughs> that, that magically works every time. You're right. People are stupid. Governments are dumb. All right. Thanks for joining us. Sorry about the delay this week. New episodes typically every Wednesday, eight in the morning. They drop on Apple iTunes and the Google Store. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget to burn it all down. <laughs>